It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good morning. Hour number two of Green and Growing starts right now. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, live on WSB Radio 95.5. Been doing the show for almost a year and I told my celebrity gardener this morning, you know what? I didn't have you in the first year of the show on purpose because you are a respectable gardener. I had to build up to you. I had to think up intelligent topics to speak with you about. The president of Chick-fil-A Corporation, Dan Cathy, good morning. Good morning, Miss Ashley, and great being with you. I wake up to WSB many mornings, and certainly over the years with the gardening show with the infamous Walter Reeves, it was just uh, always just a great voice to wake up to. And now uh, to have you standing in, you've got some big shoes to fill. But from my experience, you're up for the challenge. So go get them. Thank you. I have learned a lot. I have met some awesome people along the way. And, and Dan, like I told you, some of Walter's friends have become my friends. And those people have, those experts have just meant a great deal to me. And being patient and kind of teaching me what they know. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit today, if that's okay. I've heard you're a gardener. Well, the pickings may be very <laughs> slim. So <laughs> I do love gardening. And my dad was the guy that developed this little chicken sandwich that we called Chick-fil-A. <laughs> he wasn't the gardener, but we spent a lot of time down, uh, grew up on a farm down in South Clayton County. But uh, my grandmother had banana plant. When I was just a child, she would show me how to water these banana plants. And I'd stick my little finger over the end of that water hose and make the water spray out. And I'm talking about just a just a little toddler. And these banana trees, uh, I thought if I could wet the leaves, it'd make them shiny. Then I had watered the plant. But she said, no, honey, you've got to, you know, they get some moisture through the leaves, but they, get, they drink it from the roots. You got to water around the, the base. So as I recall, as a really, really young child, that was my first experience and uh, you know learning something about horticulture from my grandmother so it's kind of like honey I got 25 hives of honey that I'm at harvest and you know if I if I sold the honey for what it actually cost me for the amount of hives I've had to replace oh, yeah. and colonies I've had to replace it'd be $25 a jar so <laughs> I I, I can't in good faith do that so it's a more of a labor of love and just just sharing uh, an interest bees and water so many different components you know of gardening you know it's a whole ecosystem of course and you can build these little rooms and as you as we grow in our gardening experience we, we expand the rooms of these this house so to speak and to have these pollinators the bees that are essential to fruit production as we know uh, and to me, they just they just continue to beautify, you know, any gardening operation, and particularly for for parents with young children, mm-hmm. to explain, you know, how a hive operates, how the how the queen operates, and the workers and the drones and so forth. It's just an amplification of understanding how God des- designed our remarkable universe, and He gave us enough knowledge and insight to be amazed at the mystery of his divine creativity. It's hard to slow down and stop and really become one with nature like a lot of us maybe found ourselves doing in the last year, Dan, because of this pandemic. That led a lot of folks to gardening for the first time, which to me was super exciting. And I and I stepped into this show at just the right time to kind of give people that boost of encouragement. You know, hey, I'm a new gardener too. All of us at some point are doing something new 
but there's always something to learn. Like you said, from the time you were a toddler, even to now, you're still learning about gardening. It's an essential part for the human experience to be engaged with nature. I've been very engaged in urban planning here in the last 10 or 15 years because of the of our my day job at Chick-fil-A. Retail follows a lot of uh, you know, changes in society and there's a real move toward urban downtown living and I've been fascinated even there there are metrics of relationships between the density of people and concrete asphalt relative to green space. And if you don't keep those in proportion, even from an economic standpoint, it stymies the residential development. You know, in our homes, if we can have a nice little backyard, no matter how big or small that it may be, uh, we it's part of our way God, I think, you know, made us was to enjoy the serenity and the peacefulness and the calm of a green space. Water is an essential part as well. I, my interest in horticulture and gardening and so on is primarily from a landscape design standpoint. Mm. Uh, some people like, you know, Vince Dooley, he's real into the scientific names of plants. Uh, we all can have our specialty in gardening that we really want to zero in on and get really deep in a particular segment of it. And as I said, as we grow in our gardening experience, we continue to build a ever widening inventory of, uh, of of the knowledge that we have and how all this works together to enrich our lives. I'm speaking with the uh, CEO of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, a local here to the Atlanta area. But I was listening to a podcast out of London uh, just the other day, and they were trying to tell, you know, British gardeners who lived closer to the city, I guess just like Atlanta, there's still plants that can thrive in that city environment because typically, like you said, there's there's kind of that heat shield or whatever you want to call it, where temperatures are generally five to 10 degrees warmer in the city. So they can, you know, have avocado plants and things like that in downtown London that you probably couldn't have out in the countryside. And just that that different kind of effect of the humidity and the air and stuff in the cities kind of lends itself a little differently than to what folks can, you know, grow in the in the outskirts of town. I did a tour of inner city gardens and green space. We jumped on a plane. We went to New York, Chicago, Dallas, the Clyde Warren part there in downtown, uh, Seattle, Portland, looking at urban green space and the importance of, of that space, how to manage it, how to fund it, how to design it. And it was quite fascinating to see how you know cities around the world recognize the importance of garden space all over Asia. Uh, where people, you know, celebrate every morning. They start their morning outside in right. a garden area, you know, doing exercising. So it's a wonderful thing. How nice is that? All right. Well, so, Dan, I've decided I have the contact information for my travel agent right here. I'm just going to bum around with you. And I'm going to travel inner city gardens and worldly gardens with you because that'll help me learn so I can write it off as an expense. Well, we're all we're all <laughs> on a learning curve. I, I've learned a lot of it even at Chick-fil-A, our corporate campus. We have a beautiful... 75 acres just at the intersection of 285 and 95 and um, it's just a, a, it's wonderful a lot of indolation the topography is very has a lot of character to it we have a lot of outcroppings of big rocks have uh, some beautiful elm trees a lot of beech trees mm-hmm. that are there they hang on to their leaves all during the winter so we have to see these brown leaves they pop up as soon as the springtime comes and we've designed this as kind of the ultimate corporate campus. We have outdoor office space, Ashley, 
so you can have pods. You can actually go on our Outlook contact deal and set up a meeting. Wow. We have Wi-Fi outside. We have recharging stations outside. We have these wonderful little Adirondack chairs sitting areas so you can sit outside and just conduct business there. And, again, it just extends the quality of the of the living space. So we're not talking about just towns. We're not talking about just homes. But even corporate campuses now are recognizing the importance of green space and how it contributes to the overall well-being of people. I agree, Mr. Kathy, and I bet you've done your research and you know your homework about studies, about employee morale, you know, boosting their work productivity and all of that when things like that are offered and even – Companies that may be listening that think, well, I, I can't afford that. We don't have the money for that. Houseplants, just some kind of incorporation of the outdoors in our office spaces can make a world of difference for your employees, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I really enjoy my fruit side of things. Actually, I'm into, of course, peaches and plums mm-hmm. and apples and pears and uh, blueberries and blackberries and strawberries. So that's my basic palette of fruit production. Speaking with Dan Cathy, CEO of Chick-fil-A, you know, Georgia's lucky enough to be the only state. We've got the Dwarf Houses here. We've got Truett's Grill locations. We've got Truett's Chick-fil-A locations here. And there's palm trees, which I just absolutely adore, appropriately enough, outside of Truett's Luau there in Fayetteville. Um, Landscaping just seems to be such a big part of the outside environment of you all's restaurants. How did you come to that conclusion? Uh, a, a lot of different directions, all the things you just mentioned, but it's also interwoven into a lot of the zoning requirements now, as you know, to provide shade and all this asphalt retail areas that we have. There's certain requirements in terms of the caliber of trees that have to be planted in uh, residential developments or retail developments all across the country, and they're woven in all of all of the zoning. So for us to get an occupancy permit, you know, we have to complete our landscaping plan, but we we do plus it up beyond just what's required by local zoning because we're there for good. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, hundreds of cars that are coming through a Chick-fil-A parking lot and, they, uh, and, and to keep it up, even though there's a lot of traffic that's there, beautifully landscaped and manicured gardens and homes and residential and retail. Subliminally, it has a very calming, positive effect for us. So you know, those that wisely invest in landscaping, it creates value. I often tell young homeowners that, you know, you, you buy, you know, $10 plant at Pike's Nursery and put it in your yard, and it's going to appreciate the value of your property. This little chicken sandwich started right there at the Dwarf House on Central Avenue there in Hatefield, Georgia. We're so thankful for the Atlanta market to be a native of Georgia, born and bred it, as we say, uh, in Atlanta, and to see how God's <laughs> Bust his business and has Ed Scrung. And proud of the work that you do, Mr. Kathy, to beautify our city, too. More about that coming up. My interview with Chick fil A CEO Dan Kathy continues, plus a quiz. I can't let my celebrity gardeners get away without working their brains a little bit early on a Saturday morning. So we'll be right back. Luckily, no traffic red alerts, but the traffic info you need right here on WSB.
my celebrity gardener, Dan Cathy, a year in the making, and I'm so excited, CEO of Chick-fil-A, proudly based right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I've got to ask, before we get to this garden quiz that I have for you, Dan, back in the beginnings of the Chick-fil-A Corporation, when there was just one, two restaurants, were there ever homegrown ingredients, whether it was some kind of herb or spice or even chickens from the farm that were used in the restaurant, or was all that always sourced out from the beginning? Well, my dad had this little white Chevrolet station wagon, and he would drive by the the state farmer's market in Forest Park. He would like to make deals out of the tailgate uh, of of our little station wagon. And in the summertime, Ashley, he would pick up these uh, peaches that were really getting really, really super soft, and they probably weren't going to make it in, in the market for another 24 hours. He'd bring them up there. We'd have Zelma Calhoun and her sister Annie, and they would peel off these peaches and put them in a, a wonderful little pie shell, sprinkle some sugar on top and some whipped cream, and those fresh peach pies would fly off the shelf. Mm. Uh, they were absolutely delicious. So you know, Dad loved to be able to source things locally when he could. So we'll start with that. All right. Time starts now. Mr. Kathy, number one, who doesn't like Chick-fil-A milkshakes that we were just talking about? Sometimes the milkshakes are made green by this garden herb. Uh, It could be mint. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. All right. Number two, we talked about this too. Chick-fil-A has amazing waffle fries, which of course are made fresh from potatoes. All I need you to do, you're a gardener, name one type of potato for me. Idaho russet potatoes. There you go. And have you have you grown those, or do we leave that to Idaho? I do. Yeah, I do a, uh, a more of a ornamental potato. Uh, I have a rock wall in in front of my house, and I put out just you don't need but four or five because they grow very very prolific in Georgia. But you put out this little uh, potato plant, and it has this wonderful light green. It's a great little accent plant. Hmm. All right, here's another one. This is kind of a recap of Dan and I's conversation because we covered this as well. Georgia is perennially the number one state in the nation for the production of this. Their oil is used to beautifully brown those Chick-fil-A nuggets. Peanut oil. Yes. If we have any uh, chefs that are on listening here this morning, peanut oil, as you may know, is one of the most expensive oils that you can use. Oh, yeah. But it's essential, we think, for cooking of Chick-fil-A. It doesn't have a greasy aftertaste. It's very light. And um, even those with peanut allergies, we use refined peanut oil. Actually, we always tell our customers that they have an allergy issue with with peanuts to check with their doctor. But most people, even with allergens, can still enjoy the great taste of Chick-fil-A because it's refined peanut oil. But be sure to check with your doctor. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right. The fourth question, a key ingredient in chicken tortilla soup is black beans. Beans grow in a sheath called a blank. Pod. Yes. All right. Bonus question. Are beans <laughs> a summer crop or a winter crop? Uh, you, you may stop me on this. I think that's a winter crop. Some of them can be. and yeah. But into the warmer months, from my research, and I, and I may be incorrect too, I think they need like almost three to four months to mature into the warmer weather. So it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. It's a year-long process. You plant it early and then you harvest it warm. One more for you, Dan. Name three of the fruits featured in the fruit cup, and tell me which you've had the most success in growing. One of my favorite items in our Chick-fil-A fruit cup was mandarin oranges. Mm-hmm. I love the sweet, tart taste of them, but uh, we don't jo- typically grow those in Georgia. Obviously, blueberries, yep. we do. We've already mentioned that. Uh, apples, we produce a, a lot of apples in Georgia, uh, particularly in the northern part of the state, and strawberries. 
strawberries are surprisingly easy for someone to have success with if they're a beginning gardener. For strawberries are a great ornamental plant. They're not just fruit production, but because they're evergreen and then they have little variations in their color throughout the year. I use it as a ground cover plant. Mm-hmm. And, and the more ground cover I use, the less bark and mulch and so forth that I have. It preserves the uh, the moisture in the soil. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of good ground covers. I, I use a lot of dwarf mondo in my gardening around stepping stones. And um, it also likes to grow in a lot of bark soil with a lot of ammonium nitrate on it. Well, Dan, I, I so appreciate your time. You and I could honestly sit here and chat for another hour or two. And folks would listen because this has been an incredible conversation. You are extremely inspiring and knowledgeable and just kind. It gets you pretty far in life. Well, thank you, Miss Ashley. And uh, we so appreciate WSB. WSB has been a part of my entire life for all the obvious reasons. You've got a great staff there. You do a great service to society. And as we say at Chick-fil-A, it's been my pleasure. You know who are lifelong Atlantans like Dan Cathy, like myself, if you've been listening to WSB and you grew up on WSB that long. Thanks for listening this morning. This is Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. My entire conversation with Dan Cathy is going to be up on WSBradio.com later on today under On Demand. We talked for about 40, 45 minutes. You want to hear the rest of it. The garden knowledge that man has is impressive. Thanks so much for your time, Mr. Kathy. we got to go to break. We'll be right back with your calls, 404-872-0750. It's green and growing with Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 7.35 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for listening to WSB. This is green and growing for the next hour and a half here every Saturday from 6 to 9 just for you to try to help you out. No agenda, not pushing anything on you, just trying to help you out in your landscape. Uh, The show is sponsored by Pike Nursery. We love talking about gardening and the outdoors coming up next month, talking about birding. Um, a whole weekend about birding to go along with the Great Backyard Bird Count, which is, I think, internationally done through Cornell University, I believe in Ithaca, New York, and they put this great program together. We've got the Audubon Society here in Atlanta that I'm sure uh, plays a big part in that as well. So can't wait to talk about all of these exciting things leading into the spring and some more interviews and garden experts to bring to you next Saturday. I'm going to have Joe Lample. Uh, Joe Gardner, as he is known, he has branded himself as such. And Growing a Greener World, that's the name of his television show. He'll be along uh, for a good hour, hour and a half next Saturday to help take your calls and questions. And our focus is going to be on seed starting because right now is the best time of year to really focus in on getting what you need to start growing your own seed. You know, last year there was a run on all of these vegetable plants at the nurseries because this stupid pandemic had just started. And I think there was, you know, fears of shortage of food or you knew you were going to be home a lot. So a lot of folks got into gardening and thought, this is going to be the year I do a vegetable garden. Um, So this way you get your seed now, get your seed early, and you can go ahead and start those seeds and have viable plants, good plants to be able to put out around tax time in April. So Joe's got some really good advice for that. Plus, like I said, he'll help answer all of your garden questions as well. 
404-872-0750 is the number. And if you don't have a question and you just want to chat, you're driving around, maybe you can do it hands-free. Uh, give us a call and let us know what you're seeing in the landscape as well. You're starting to see the signs of daffodils coming up and some um, early spring flowering things have buds already set on them. So it's really exciting. It's kind of peaceful and uh, just gives you some hope, some promise of the spring that's coming up. So I want to hear about that later on today as I get home after my nap. I'm going to post um, spring scenes in a winter garden. So I took the time to go outside the other day and really take inventory of what I've got coming up. And I took some great pictures of maybe some things you're seeing as well. Like I said, just really getting excited about spring. So held so patiently on the phone and now on the air from Lithia Springs. Good morning, Alexis. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I am from Lithonia, actually. Oh, Lithonia. That is clear across the other side of I-20. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Good to hear from you. Great. Thank you. I have a question. I have large currant myrtle in my front yard. Mm-hmm. And um, the roots are spreading everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned it's going to get to my foundation. I'm thinking about cutting it down. You know... I I don't think the roots and and someone out there, you know, an arborist, correct me if I'm wrong, the roots of a crepe myrtle aren't going to be as damaging and not work as fast to harm the foundation as maybe the roots of a bigger, sturdier hardwood tree. But certainly that is a concern. How big is it? I mean, we're talking 30 feet tall. I also my roof. It's way up there. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, You know, I mean, there's, there's of course a lot of advantages to crepe myrtles and they're, they're, hardy trees they they put out beautiful flowers in the late summertime but if if you're fearful of it and you're really tired of keeping up with the suckers and all of that and the roots are just starting to worry you a little bit it, it wouldn't hurt to take it out and just replace it with something else but maybe plant it a little bit further away from the house yeah that's what i was thinking i love the white flowers in the spring they're beautiful but yeah, and it's a lot of work, too, to transplant a crepe myrtle. It can be done, but they're mm-hmm. relatively inexpensive. They grow so quickly. Um, I mean, that's that's more trouble than it's worth. I don't yeah. think it's really going to cause any foundation problems that you're going to see in your lifetime, though. I mean, I really don't think it's going to be um, that harmful to the foundation, not like, you know, if you were saying, a, some, like I said, some oak or hardwood or something were much closer to the house. Um, uh, yeah, and I... Root pruning, I don't know enough about root pruning to really give you good advice there. But also just making sure, too, if you do keep it, Alexis, would you like the white flowers? I think that's great and everything. Um, do keep up with the suckers, though, because if you let, you know, the suckers that are coming up from around the plant, if you let those go, obviously they're going to become their own little crepe myrtles um, and, and cause even more of an issue, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Your question, honestly, I do not. Um Another question is the the bark of the tree has a lot of peeling on it. Does that mean something? No, I think that's quite normal. Uh, for crepe myrtles, we see that a lot. Different varieties may have more of a reddish, you know, color on some parts of the trunk. Just like river birches, they're not as peely as uh, grainy as as river birches, but that's quite common. So I don't think that's a problem okay. at all. Now, what you do want to watch out for this isn't the time of year, but later on in the um, in the summertime. The Japanese beetle uh, bores, or ambrosia beetle, I'm sorry, the ambrosia beetle bores into crepe myrtles. That's very, very common. 
and they get their little snouts and they get into the trunk and you'll see almost like sawdust, like toothpicks being mm-hmm. pushed back mm-hmm. out, you know, like almost like long spikes coming out of the trunk. And then you've got an infestation of ambrosia beetles. That's treatable. But at, at, at that point, you know, we're already worried about foundation damage. And then if you see something like that, take it out. <laughs> okay. So yeah, All be right. on the lookout for that. But the bark, I mean, I, that's one thing I love about crepe myrtles too, is just the bark is so cool and it varies by color and things like that. So yeah, keep, keep it around if you like it. Um, you know, maybe if you have other concerns about the foundation too, go ahead and get a company out there to check it. But I don't think the crepe myrtle is going to do a whole lot to it. Okay. What if I was to cut like half of it down? Would that be not a good idea? That's kind of where we get into what we call crepe murder. Um, and a lot of people (laughs) in the industry, yeah, they always call it crepe murder because everyone sees that they have just been chopped literally, like you're saying in half and it's just a big exposed cut and there's no, you know, little shoots left. There's no little branches left. It's just literally six, seven, eight. eight. And and I don't recommend that. No. I mean, selective pruning to it. You can certainly top them a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. but selective pruning, taking out all of the small shoots and things that are about as big around as your finger or smaller. That's really probably the best way to prune it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, keep it. And I mean, really too, if you prune now, you're not gonna you're not gonna miss a whole lot of the blooms in the summertime. You're still okay to do that, so I think that's fine. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm I love glad. the show. Thank you. I'm really <laughs> glad you called, Alexis. Have a good morning over there on the east side in Lithonia, not the west side, Lithia Springs. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Good morning, disc golf driver Mike and McDonough. How are you? Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Very good. <clears throat> Hey, I've got a question. I um, every year my Bermuda lawn gets covered up with um, I can't remember the name of it. It's a it's a type of grass of, and it comes up and it just seeds super quick and just covers you know t- covers the lawn. It's a winter grass. It's not spurge, is it? No, it's a it's actually like a little grass. It only comes up about two three inches. And it goes to seed real quick, and it just spreads all over the place. That could be um, hmm. hairy bittercress is like a little grassy-looking one, and it's got mm-hmm. what at the distance appears to be white flowers, but it almost shoots off like little pieces of rice, and that reseeds. I'm not sure. Well, it's this. It, it comes up in the winter. Mm-hmm. I must have nailed it with my pre-emergent in the fall, but Good. I'm figuring by the by before spring, I'm going to be covered again. Mm-hmm. When's a good time to put out pre-emergent? So you've got Bermuda lawn. So the best time to do that is going to be probably March. You want a spring pre-emergent, put that down in mm-hmm. March, and that's going to give that enough time to stop those seeds from even germinating so that we don't see them in the summertime. And Bermuda, Mike, as you know, like that is a year-long process of really combating those weeds. So March is the good application of spring pre-emergent. And then, Mm -hmm. like, to get rid of the grassy weeds and the stuff that you don't like, you know, you see a lot of that in the summertime. May and June is a good time for that pre-emergent. And then you were right on track with the winter pre-emergent. You didn't want to see chickweed and other things like that. So a winter pre-emergent best applied, like, September, maybe early October. So three times a year, that's a lot for Bermuda. Yeah, I must have gotten it pretty good. Do you have time for one more quick one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I've I've hosed over my neighbor by sprigging uh, centipede grass in an area where the Bermuda wasn't taking over, Uh and now it's starting to creep up the side of of my yard and into my neighbor's, 
is there a way to suppress the centipede so that Bermuda will overtake it? One of the best ways when we have two different types of, of lawn, and, and oftentimes people call about fescue and Bermuda, right? Those are common to have one in the back and one in the front, and centipede and Bermuda mm-hmm. would probably work the same way. The, the stronger you can make the Bermuda grass, eventually it's got to keep up and overtake the centipede, although the centipede's going to be pretty uh, pretty prolific, I think, too. But really the best <laughs> practice you can do, Mike, is just that healthy, really strong, really tough Bermuda lawn and just hope that that eventually chokes out the uh, the centipede. I appreciate it. Thank oh. you, Ashley. Oh, you're so welcome. Always good to hear from you. Have a good Saturday morning out there. You too. Appreciate you. All right. Talk to you real soon. Talk to you Monday morning, probably, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mike is one of those that uh, he's a traffic trooper. He calls the traffic center in the mornings on his commute to Delta and lets us know what he sees. And it's so fun to hear from our traffic troopers. We actually get a lot of good traffic intel that way. Uh, 404-872-0750 out to Gwinnett County. Good morning, Vince, calling from Norcross. Hey. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I know you're driving safe. You're hands-free, and I like that. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I have a, a difficult question. I have a, uh, at the front of my house, um, I have a bunch of shrubs. They're auto lichen, cherry, laurel. I don't know if I pronounce it right. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, and, 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 and we've been there for, you know, a long time, and they were very good when we moved in. And after that, they they, they, they started be, not being so good. Now, um, there's plenty of sun. I've, I've Googled some, uh, the, you know, some stuff. Uh, I believe I have good drainage, and even if I, um, I, I don't, uh, I mean, they were good before, and then I got the shot hole disease, and then I start spraying them with some uh, stuff and things like that, trim them out a little bit. Um, now, uh, in um, long story short, after that, I use uh, um, the company that does my grass, uh-huh. and I'm very happy with them and what job they do to my grass. So they were spraying those shrubs for about a year, and I ended up uprooting a couple of them, and I bought, like, you know, two big ones, one five-gallon or seven, whatever, one yeah. one gallon, one three, because yeah. they didn't have the big ones. So I, I made a big hole, have plenty of drainage, you know, um, under the shrubs, but they did not grow well, and, and the company that does my grass, that does a great job, did not, uh, keep spraying them, you know, for about a year, and after that they canceled my service because they didn't really see any changes. So now they they want to spray them again, and you know, in the meantime, I had to change some more of them. So now I got two different kinds of shrubs, which is not okay. okay. And I was wondering, um, should I? Uh, is there anything uh, like if you can give me like three things or four things that I need to spray them with, such as copper, fungicide, or whatever it is? Because I'm going to give it a try myself again, because at the rate at which they're charging me, it's better for me to just put a new shrub every month, you know, if you know what I mean. So I'm not going to use them since they, you know, didn't do a good job, but I want to give it a try again and maybe put some new nice big shrubs. But I need to know what you would say are the three or four things that I need to spray them with to prevent, uh, obviously, all, all the things that are going on with them. And, and, and they did say, oh, I obviously have shot call disease. I have some little things chewing on them, like mites or whatever it is, uh, and some some other diseases. So. Okay, so you're not, you're not preventatively spraying these. You've already had problems in the past, hence you wanting to keep up with the spray regimen. Is that right? 
Uh, yes, right now I'm not spraying them with anything. I mean, they were spraying them for a year, but nothing really changed. And the new shrubs did not get big and they still had a uh, shot hole disease. And, you know, that's how ki they kind of came. Uh, they had a few issues when they came from the nursery. But when I, I mean, that didn't really change. It really got worse. So uh, that's why I stopped the service. So right now I'm not spraying them with anything. Okay. All right. Let me do a little bit of research on that because I know that, well, I, I don't really know of very many, you know, blights or anything that autolucan cherry laurel are susceptible to. Um, so always my go-to is don't spray unless you have to. Um, don't spray unless you've already seen a problem. I'm going to look up a little, I think you're saying shock all disease. So I'm going to look up a little bit more about that. Vince, hang on. Cause we do, we have to take a break and get a check of traffic really quick, but we'll be right back to Vince and his call and Charles and Roswell, Brian and Kennesaw on Greeny Growing on WSB. quick check of your weekend weather sponsored by Finley Roofing. Today, highs only in the low 40s, overnight lows around 28, 29 degrees, a mix of sun and clouds, breezy and cold. That wind will cut right through you, so dress in layers. And tomorrow, much the same, but a high of around 48 and a low around 33, then sun creeping into the beginning of the week. So I love this call with Vince and Vince with some uh, some help from others. I was able to say, it's not shock all, but shot hole disease, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, shot hole where you see almost like it, it the leaves have been shot through with those holes. So yes, yep. that that is one of the bacterial diseases that um, laurels are are prone to and some other plants as well. So really, one spray should probably do that. Um, it's a fungicide, like you said, you had something with copper in it. Uh, Bonide puts out Bonide is is a is a brand that usually has a purple label. It's found at Pike Nursery. Um, they have um, a broad spectrum fungicide that's going to combat that, and it's got zinc in it as well. Um, there are other brands other than Bonide that, that make something like this, but the active ingredient is Mancozeb. I hope I'm saying that right. M-A-N-C-O-Z-E-B, Mancozeb. Um, yes, I know it. Yeah, so that one spray will probably go ahead and just be fine for you. Um, and if you can't find that, just a copper fungicide like you've been using. And you could even really, you know, apply it yourself, follow the label directions. But one of the things that brings on this bacterial disease too, Vince, is if if the shrubs are too close together, if they're shielded too much by a building or a large tree or something like that, the leaves are staying wet and that's going to perpetuate that and that's going to make this worse. So cut back on that as well. I love that you have the well-draining soil. That's really important for laurels. But, you know, letting the leaves have a chance to dry out, like not watering from overhead, um, if that is the way you water, water at the base and all of that, make sure they get that good air circulation that's going to be able to... You know, and prune them when need be. That way, they're they're going to be able to dry out in between. So, really, just that one spray is going to be all that you need, I think, to get a hold of that shot hole disease. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank so, you. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really glad you called. I'm really glad you made me look a little more into that because that was certainly something I needed to to know about. Otherwise, laurels are great. Um, and you have the auto lucan, which they're just a compact shrub. They they look really beautiful in the landscape of course, flower really nicely too. So thank you so much for the call. All right, we've got Charles and Roswell wanting to know about pruning a Meyer lemon tree and then transplanting it. I certainly want to take his call. Scooter in Kennesaw, can he grow grape tomatoes in a sunroom? Yes, yes. And how to do that, that's going to be really good. And Brian in Kennesaw, took out a holly bush and it keeps coming back how to get rid of it for good so that's really going to be tough some of those things that are just so uh pestilent and they they just won't come back and i thought about that when we talked to alexis if if she does choose to take down that crepe myrtle um really thinking about okay once you take it out it's not really for good because you're going to get suckers continuously so guys i'm certainly going to take your calls here at eight o'clock and more 404-872-0750 here on Green and Growing. Check out the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Follow me there and posting some pictures later on this weekend. And you can listen back to the show on Spotify, on Google Play, and visit wsbradio.com. Click on On Demand after 9 o'clock. All three hours are going to be loaded commercial-free for you to use back as a reference. Stay tuned. We'll be back on Green and Growing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.